Good morning, class. Sunday, December 9. We are continuing our, our series in Proverbs, looking at the specific areas along the path of life that can trip us up, 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 trip us up. Oftentimes they're good things that we get too much of or too little of. And this morning we're going to look at some God, but to look at what God has to say about something you do for about a third of your life. And what is that? Sleep. It's pretty significant sleep, isn't it? And God has a lot to say about our sleep, particularly in Proverbs. So this, have you ever heard teaching or a sermon on sleep? It's time you heard one. Here we go. Let's pray. We adore you and bless you, our God. You never slumber nor sleep, and that gives us utmost confidence in your love, your care, your sovereignty, your goodness. Thank you for your word. It is so helpful. It is so practical. Everything in it is designed to bring us into conformity with the image of Jesus, to live to the praise of your glory. Teach us and help us now as we look at this subject of sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of numbers on the board. According to statistics, 56% of Americans, only 56% say they get a good night's rest every night. Only, so about half of us don't, according to statistics. 2012 figures 32 billion? Million. No, million. million. Uh, I guess it's a million. $32 million spent annually on sleep assistance. And I'm assuming that doesn't include sheets, beds, and mattresses. <laughs> sleep assistance, medication and whatnot helping you sleep. That's a lot of change. So this is an issue, sleep. God has something to say about what we do for about a third of our lives. We'll, we'll frame our discussion this way. The idea of rest is present in creation from the beginning. God blessed the seventh day and he ceased from his labors. God rested from his creative work. Of course, he never stops resting from his work of upholding the universe, governing it, working all things according to the counsel of his own will for the good of his people and for the glory of his name. He never stops doing that. And what does that imply, beloved? You weren't made to work without resting. What's the pattern of work and rest given in the Bible? Work, 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 rest. Where'd you hear that? I'm here. <laughs> in the sermon preached some time ago. Pattern of six days, one day of rest. You work six, you rest one. That's the pattern for working. And you weren't made to live without sleeping. What would you say the pattern is there? in general terms. What is it for you? What, what's, your good, what's your number of average hours you need to sleep? Eight. Eight and 24. Eight and 24. Eight and 24. Some people need less. Some people need a little more. The average person sleeps about a third of their life. Think about that. A third of your existence. Z's. 20, 26 years. 26 years of the average life. Yeah, so 75, yeah, eight years. So God's word holds out the prospect of sweet, pleasant sleep. Proverbs 3.24, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You're supposed to read that verse and say what? Could this be me? 
Could this be me? Am I sleeping sweetly? If so, why? If not, why not? Right? This is an amazing thing God holds out to us when half of us don't, apparently, or have trouble getting to sleep. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that, here's one of the tangible, practical results of the fear of the Lord, one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. What does God want, what kind of sleep does God want you to have? Sweet, satisfying sleep. Apparently that is critical to what it means to be a human being. Good sleep. Jeremiah 31.26, thus I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. Sweet, satisfying, and pleasant. You get the picture. So let's go over a few preliminary thoughts on the importance of sleep. Do you agree? Physical rest is inextricably tied to psychological health. Anybody want to comment or give illustration? Affirmation? Do not joke? Uh, Katie was at a point where for about three months she had to get up every three hours and do a something for an hour. So you get about an hour every three hours. Literally, at the end of like two months, she was blaming me if the weather wasn't as she expected, literally. And I was in the uh, medical field. I used to work from around the clock and but residents who come, radiological residents who used to, this is how they used to do it, they used to pretty much keep them up, sleep deprived them for like seven days. So I would knock on the uh, person on call's door and have to bring films that I made, right, trauma. So I handed him a set of skull films and he looked at me and said, normal chest. So I had to like wake him up. So sleep deprivation uh, causes your sensors, your senses to misinterpret whatever's happening. Yep. Great example. Great example. Um, do you get grumpy when you're tired? Yes. Why? There's a connection between our physical state and our psychological state. There's no question about it. Our mental and physical productivity is impaired by sleep deprivation. What is the best technique used by bad people to brainwash others? Sleep deprivation. That's how you brainwash people. You get them to a certain psychological state and you, you really mess with their minds. Okay, so can you give me an illustration of this truth? Heightened emotions prevent the body from doing what it needs to do, namely sleep. What would be a happy example of that? Think December 24th. <laughs> right? Christmas Eve, the kids have a hard time going to sleep. Why? They're excited. Guys, I guess before the Super Bowl or the you know some big championship, U.S. Open or something, can't fall asleep. It's all the excitement. Well, the emotional excitement impairs what the body is supposed to be doing. How about this? Sleep may be a helpful indicator of what's going on in your heart. True or false? True. Can you give some examples from your life? I really feel like um, I try to work out. Okay, so you've got people you love, they're important to you, you want to make some sort of contribution to the welfare of their life, and so you're doing problem solving, okay? 
And that is going to inhibit your ability to sleep because your mind is working and your body isn't able to say, stop, stop, we need to rest. Good. Janice, what do you do when you wake up in the night and someone comes to your mind? You pray for them. You just take it as from the... She wakes up, somebody comes to their mind, she just assumes in the Lord's providence, the Lord put them on my mind, I'm going to pray for them right now. That's one of Janice's practices. Good practice. Preliminary thoughts on the importance of sleep. Number two, sleep is our most vulnerable state. Why does the city need watchmen to guard on the walls at night? Everybody's sleeping. You are utterly defenseless, right? Completely vulnerable when you sleep. You have no idea what's going on around you. And what is that picture? Well, that's number one here. Uh, The need for sleep is a daily reminder of who we are in relation to God. Who are we in relation to God? What are some words that describe it? As relates to sleep, we are dependent Frail, limited, right? Completely, completely dependent on God. I mean, he's got to keep us as we sleep, or who knows what can happen to us. So this is uh, Psalm 121, 3 and 4. Mary, read that for us. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So imagine a person who needs no sleep. This is part of the glory of God. Not only does he know the thoughts of every single person in the world simultaneously, and he upholds every molecule in the universe simultaneously, but he didn't get tired from doing it. I mean, just think about the glory of God. What does this tell you about God, that he doesn't sleep? But where are you putting your confidence? What attributes of God is this telling you you can put your confidence in? His omnipotence. His omnipotence. What else did somebody say? His sovereignty, he's in control. He's got all the power. His omniscience, he knows everything. He's omnipresent, watching over you as you sleep. Good. And therefore, he is trustworthy. You lay down at night under the care of a trustworthy God. Yes? I wanted to share a a real blessing to me when... I found somehow uh, Michael Card's CD called Sleep Sound in Jesus. Anybody heard of it? And You know, think 90s, okay, because that would have been around when Laura was born. And some of the songs on there are just amazing. They're really lullabies for children about how Jesus loves them and cares for them. But one of them goes back to the scripture. Even the darkness is light to him, and night is as light as the day, you know. The Father above neither slumbers nor sleeps. So uh, close your eyes of angel blue and trust the one who died for you. Would not Jesus surely keep the little ones he loves asleep? Whatever. So, you know, it just was such a blessing to me to think about it that way. I don't think I had that perspective. And, you know, when, when, when we were children, we grew up saying, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But, you know, as you get older, I mean, I think as children, you sort of recite it as, well, mommy is by my bed and I'm going to say it. But when you get really older, you know, I pray the Lord my soul to take. 
if I should die. Uh, you know, and when you get older, I mean, children don't think of, well, I might die tonight, so, so I want him to take my soul. But when you get older, mm -hmm. it's a simple prayer, like Janice has said, but yet it's really meaningful. Yeah, good. Good. Thank you, Mary. Good. Parents, um, pray for your kiddos. A great time to have some one-on-one eyeball-on-eyeball time. Pray for them as they're going to bed. Pray over them. Pray for them. It's the best way to evangelize your kids. You pray for them. You pray the gospel. You thank Jesus for who he is. All of these good things. And you're just in a wonderful way. You're evangelizing your kids as uh, you have that night-night time with them. I, mean, I did that with all my kids until you know, they were in high Well end of high school, yeah, as long as we could. So, Okay, and so sleep is our most vulnerable state. God has ordained sleep as two daily reminders. One, the need for sleep is a reminder of who we are in relation to God. Number two, the need for sleep is a daily reminder of our spiritual needs. Sleep is a synonym for death in both the Old Testament and the New, but also a metaphor for spiritual lethargy. Spiritual lethargy. I mean, well, of course, when you're tired, you're lethargic. Spiritual lethargicness is likened to sleep. Isaiah 29.10, The Lord has poured over you a spirit of deep sleep. That's not a good thing, beloved. <laughs> I mean, God has a right to do that. <laughs> but that's not a good thing. Uh, Romans 13.11, The time has come for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than we, when, when we believed. 1 Thessalonians 5.6, Let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Let's push pause there. What are these verses telling you? What's the, what's the image here? Any thoughts, comments? Don't sleep the whole day. You need to get up and do... Do you mean physically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because some people will sleep till one or two and don't really even need to do that. They're just... Some are depressed and that's that. But I mean, some people just don't want to do anything and they just lay in bed and they Okay, good. And we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more later in the handout. You yeah, think about Elijah. Remember when he fled Jezebel up at Mount Carmel, uh, Ahab up at Mount Carmel, and he, you know, finds himself. And then what's he want to do? He just needs to sleep. And sometimes a good night's sleep clears the mind, settles the emotions. Um, Gail's point is, if you're depressed, you're, you're emotionally lethargic, kind of all you want to do is ride it out in the bed, right? And we need to be rescued from that, ultimately. Sometimes it's good. Um, what are some signs of spiritual sleepiness? Either in your life or as you've seen it in others because you've never been spiritually sleepy. <laughs> what are some signs of it? This is important to know. Joe? Uh, that whatever my circumstance is, that uh, the only resource I have is myself. That I'm sufficient for this, which is totally not scriptural. Self-sufficiency. Trusting, looking to, promoting, protecting myself. That's a really good indicator of spiritual sleepiness. Your sense is all you have is you. Good. What's another one? Lack of joy. Lack of joy? Joylessness? Right? Okay. If we're called to live in the Lord's presence... Uh, it's got to produce joy at some, some point. Good. What's another one? Mary? I don't know if this is probably the same thing that, that Joe said, but, but sometimes you would rather wallow in self-pity okay. than to actually 
you know, go to prayer or 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 seek the Lord. It's better to to think about it too much. Good, good. Wallowing self pity, mm-hmm. staying focused on either yourself or your problems, right. and not turning your focus to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Good. Another indicator of spiritual sleepiness. How would you know if 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 it, if it was you? Paul was writing to. Don't sleep. Wake up, etc. How would you know that it was being directed at you? What would be uh, going on in your life or true of your thinking? Not desiring time with the Lord and, and prayer and in His Word. Okay. Loss of appetite. <laughs> See, when you're sleeping, you're not consciously hungering for food for the most part. Loss of appetite for, what did you say, Janice? Prayer? And the Word. The Word? Fellowship. Fellowship? Worship. Worship? <laughs> the means of grace. And here's what's very, very uh, tricky. The longer you're away from those, the less you have an appetite for them as a rule. And what happens is Satan tends to sit on your soul and push you very subtly down into this deep spiral. And you get down here, and these things are very faint. You don't have an appetite for them because you haven't been feeding your appetite. And, um, and then what are you telling yourself here? Oh, God has abandoned me, given up on me, I'm no good, I don't deserve. All this condemnation Satan heaps on you. It's hard enough having Satan heap condemnation on you with the means of grace, but without them, it's really hard. So Satan, as they say... Uh, If we have a hard time opening our Bibles, Satan sits on your Bible. (laughs) Excellent. These are indicators of spiritual sleepiness. Loss of appetite for these things. Anything else? Jeff? Two two things. Well, what is is, is it? Proverbs or Son says, your word is a delight to me. So if the word is, you know, just a chore or duty obligation, well, I must be, I must not have the right attitude. Okay. Something that I've heard all the time is people always say, well, don't, you know, don't trust your feelings, don't trust your feelings. But, you know, if I have something going on and I'm rationalizing, you know, how is it, it's something that I want to work out, but it's really not, it's really against scripture, it's really, and I'm trying to, and I can rationalize it out so it makes sense. Well, I have this emotive reality that uh, tells me, no, this is wrong, this is wrong, right? But then I think about it and say, well, yeah, it's right. You know, I rationalize it again. So if I have... Not only a cognitive idea that I'm prayerless, wordless, fellow, you know, have, don't have those things, but I can also have an emotive reality that needs attention as well, which indicates that I am not in the right relationship. So feelings, I think, are very important. Okay, good. And and the first thing Joe said was basically over delights, delighting more in the gifts than the giver. And that would mean that ultimately your heart is not very what in relation to God. And the gifts he gives you should evoke thanksgiving, so lack of gratitude. And one more, before we move on, peace with sin. So there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who are at peace with sin and correspondingly at war with God, and those who through the spoils of Jesus Christ are at peace with God and therefore at war with sin. So Christian, you woke up at war with sin this morning. Because indwelling sin is at war with you. You're no longer a slave. We're at war with sin. Paul talks about that in Romans 6, Galatians 5. 
in other places. You're at war with sin. You're either battling sin consciously with the means of grace, or sin is suddenly getting the better of you, putting you to sleep. You're at war with sin. Sin wants to, you, sin wants to rule in you through its epithemias, its over-desires here. So, so these are, anything else you would add to this list? Signs, indicators of spiritual sleepiness, Gail? I think you need to be aware that God's in control of your sleep because what he allows is what he's going to give you. So if you
My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep, and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Thank you, Dory. Hear the urgency and the rapidity with which you're supposed to remedy these things. So it's a bad thing to go to sleep in the hand of your neighbor, meaning they've got something on you. What you said, what you owe them, giving some, you don't want to go to sleep in the hand of your neighbor. Whose hand do you want to go to sleep in? God's. So in order to get here, there might be things you have to do. Correct a wrong spoken word, get obligations fulfilled, undo mistakes you've made. Quickly, do it quickly. And unfulfilled obligations, sleeping due to laziness when there's something more important to do. Laziness casts into a deep sleep. The idle man suffers hunger. Why is he hungry? Because when he should have been farming, he was sleeping. A lot of people lose their jobs from the simple um, uh, vice of a lack of simple discipline in life and getting up on time and getting to work on time. They just don't get, so they're fired. And they should be. When you sign on for a job, you owe them this amount of time from here to here. Except for, you know, since then, waiting circumstances. So many people get fired because they don't have the ability to set the alarm and get to work on time. I won't talk about getting to church on time because you guys are at church on time. (laughs) But we do start on time because if you start late, you train them to come late. Uh, Don't sleep during the harvest. Don't love sleep. And then we're told right after these verses from Proverbs 6 to go to the ant and look at the ants. Virtually the smallest thing you can put your eyes on in the ground. And what are they doing? They're thinking ahead to winter and getting the food ready for winter. Ants! <laughs> just, don't you love it? Look at the ants! <laughs> Not sleeping when you should sleep. Not sleeping when you should sleep. So this is the driven person talked about, I think, in uh, Psalm 127.2. Who's going to read that for us? It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So what's this person's reasoning? Because I have work. so much work to do, therefore, I'm going to sacrifice where? Sleep. In my sleep. There might be times to do that. There might be. That would be the exception. But this person, as a rule, is doing what? They're anxiously toiling. They're so important, they don't have time to do what their body demands that they do, and that is sleep. And that might have amazing consequences for work performance. Doctors, as Joe was sharing earlier, reading, uh, driving. driving. Yeah, oh, people falling asleep at the wheel. Okay. Um, I just have in here, laziness is an offense to God because, somebody give us the two reasons. It's a contradiction to his character. It's a denial that God delights to give energy and wisdom to his creatures to be productive. Okay. God isn't lazy. There's not a lazy bone in the, in the body of uh, 
Jesus and who fell asleep in the back of the boat on the cushion? In the storm. Why was he sleeping? He was tired. Why was he tired? He was expending a lot of energy in his ministry. He sleep it's just beautiful. He's sleeping on the back in the back of the boat. And he was peaceful. He was at peace. He was at peace. He was never well, the only time he wasn't at peace was on the cross. In a life threatening situation. In a life threatening situation. And he wakes up and says, Why are you all afraid? Why are we afraid? Because we're about to drown. I'm I'm in the boat, even though it seems like God is sleeping. He's in control. That's many of the Psalms, isn't it? Where's God? Where's God? Are you sleeping? Have you forgotten me? I'm in control. I got this. But that is often our human experience. Um, And it's a denial that God delights to give energy and wisdom to his creatures to be productive. God says you need to sleep. Do your work here. Trust me to give you the energy. Now look, if you're lacking energy, maybe what do you need to do? You need to ask yourself about your diet. You need to ask yourself, are my idols draining energy from me? I have found that my idolatry drains energy from me. My idolatry does. Some idolatry gives you energy. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. It might feeding your idols sometimes makes you very energetic. <laughs> but you still need to deal with the other idols drain energy from you. Do you know what might be draining energy from you? So sleep becomes an indicator. Okay, now what's going on in my life? Everything is ultimately in relation to God. Proverbs has this theocentric God, God uh, worldview. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Thank you. And then not. Uh, so we're looking at not sleeping when you should sleep. This is the driven person. And then you have the undisciplined person. We've sort of alluded to him. What is this person doing? The undisciplined person. Rachel, speak as a college student. Do you know any college students who are undisciplined? And what 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 do they look like? They're doing too much of what and not enough what. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Okay, I'll tell you. Okay. Basically, it's me. So, it's like too much like during the semester. So, like, anyways. Um, and then, like, during the exam time, you don't sleep because you need to study a lot. Okay. So, you're making up for lost study time cramming during exams. How many people cram during exams? And see, so here's the problem. If you get a good grade, you reinforce cramming as a technique to get by in school. Yeah, okay. So, uh, this is the undisciplined person. They're playing video games too late or whatever it is. They're not sleeping enough. Their life's out of control. And why do I say do you think it's motivated by pride, both of those two people? The driven person, who's uh, getting a lot done, the undisciplined person who's in. Why, what is, what do you, why do I think they're both driven by pride, although they look very different on the outside? What's a prideful thought going on in their mind? I can handle this in my own way, at my own time, at my own schedule. Exactly. I'll take care of this in my way, on my schedule, the way I want to. That's pride. My way. It's, uh, is it Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. Yeah, that'll shipwreck your soul. That will destroy your soul. I wonder how many people hearing that song said, yeah, that's right from the pit of hell. It is. It is. But it's what, what are teaching our kids in the schools. You have to be the captain of your own ship and master of your own faith. Nobody can tell you what happiness is for you. That's in the pit of hell. I mean, no one can tell you what happiness is for you. Are you self-created? No, come on. Thank God there's somebody who can tell us what life is about. It's the Lord. Um, now, I have one exception here to not sleeping when you should. 
And it's Paul giving up sleep for the sake of Christ. Somebody read for us there, 2 Corinthians 6, 4-7. So I have servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance and afflictions, hardships, Thank you. So here's a man possessed by the gospel, and there were times where the gospel took Paul. There was beatings, prison, sleepless nights. One night he was preaching, it's getting late, dark. Eutychus over here sitting on the windowsill. Somebody's getting stuffy, so somebody opens the windows. Eutychus is sitting there. What happens? It's like some of us during the sermon, we, we go to sleep. <laughs> and he fell out the window. What a great story. Just a human part of life. Of course, people, Paul preached and preached and preached, and some people got tired. Eutychus' problem wasn't necessarily falling asleep. It was where he was sitting when he fell asleep. God went down and raised him from the dead. Next illustration of this from 2 Corinthians 11. This is Paul's autobiography for why uh, his ministry has more authenticity than the super apostles who are polished and put together. Somebody read that one for us. Thank you, Lindsay. So what, what, what can you say about this? Is this justified sleeplessness? It looks like it, doesn't it? This is the cost on Paul, the, the danger he walked into, not as a glutton for punishment. You know, earlier in Second Corinthians, he said, we were despairing of life itself. It was extremely heavy on him. But there were sleepless nights, danger everywhere. This is what God called him to do and to be for the gospel. So there may be sacrifices of, of sleep you make for the sake of the gospel. Moms make them for their kids all the time. Get up all night feeding. They're sick. They get up. Moms and dads. But there's a particular you know, intimacy there with mom when the kids are younger. How about sleeping? Let's look at the next one. Sleep. These are the three scenarios. Sleeping when you should not, um, when you should sleep. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. How many of you travel if you can't take your own pillow with you? I do, because pillows are a really important part of sleep. And I decided last Thursday night I needed to take one of the pillows from Hattie back to my home in Virginia because that pillow didn't do it. Okay? Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. There's no bed, right? When you travel, you can't wait to get home to your own bed. There's something sacrosanct about it, and there should be. It's good. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. Amazing. I wonder how many nights they just slept outside under the stars. Or he had to borrow a guest room from, some, from somebody. Nowhere to lay his head. Argue from the greater to the lesser. If God... Am I at the right spot? Yes. 
If God, who rules all things, loves me, doesn't himself sleep, and promises in this word to give me what I need even in my sleep, then... He will. Then he will. He gives to his beloved sleep. I lay, David says in Psalm 3, I lay down and slept. I woke for the Lord's sustainment. You know what's going on in that psalm? He says, I'm surrounded by thousands. He's, he's in trouble. He's surrounded by thousands of people that want to kill him. And he lay down and goes to sleep. Unlike me, I was camping one time with my brother in the Central National Park. It's getting dark. We pitched a tent near a stream. And we uh, walked over from the tent to the stream to brush our teeth. And on the way back, there's a copperhead. That's a poisonous snake. There's a copperhead. <laughs> Did we step over it to brush it? Anyway, the whole night, well, how do you think I slept? <laughs> I didn't. You can zip up the tent and it's like, ah, they're coming to get me. <laughs> David's got 10,000 surrounding him and he lays down to sleep. Why? Because ultimately, um, this is the last point, sweet sleep is ultimately available only in the light. First in the light of his word. Somebody read Proverbs 3 for us there. Who hasn't read? Okay, Melissa. Thank you, Fred. Fear is a very debilitating emotion. Fear. And sometimes it'll keep you awake for a good reason. But what is this saying about the power of the Word of God? His commandments, His precepts, His promises. This is an astounding infomercial for the power of God's Word to keep you, to put you to sleep when you need to sleep, to give you confidence to dispel fear. Incredible power. People are buying pills at the rate of $32 million a year. Think what the power of God's word promises. You might need medication. You might. As a supplement to the power of God's word. Joe? In, in the scripture that comes to my mind is that Isaiah 36, it says, He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. A good one. On the Lord. That's a good one. And it says, uh, because he trusted the Lord. He trusted the Lord forever. The Lord, the Lord. Give us that reference first one more time. Isaiah? Uh, 36, I believe. 26. 26. Yeah, he shared that with us recently. Yeah. Okay. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. It's got to be that way, right? We put our minds on God. One of the fruits is, well, it might be conviction of sin, so we deal with it. Ultimately, perfect peace. And then sweet sleep is ultimately available, um, again, in the light of God's word and then in the light of the gospel. Paul writes again in Psalm 4, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. Where is the ultimate safe place in the universe? Hidden in Christ, safe in Jesus, in union with Jesus, one with Christ, accepted by God, clothed in his righteousness, assured of forgiveness. What's true of Jesus is true of you. He reigns now with his Father, we are seated with him as well. So there's ultimately no such thing as sweet sleep apart from union with Christ, faith in Christ. 
And therefore, Paul writes, For God who said, Let light shine in the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That will give you joy, it will give you confidence, it will give you spiritual power, it will give you conviction, it will give you hope, and sweet sleep. Walk in the light of the glory of Christ. We're out of time. Uh, we have five minutes. Well, any more comments or thoughts, questions? God has something to say about what we do for a third of our lives. Helpful? How would you change this? Would you add, subtract? Any way to make this? Yeah, Gail? Um, I, I just really agree with the way sometimes I'll think of everything frustrating and I'm like maybe God wants me to pray for the people in the church that have cancer or something you know that I know to pray for because he does I mean where's the people where's hands and feet and so if we just can't go to sleep I believe it's a good time to pray good excellent good word time to pray there's a good reason to be awake why not pray good Joe uh, there's a it's not just a time out uh, sleep is not just a time out in the sense that I got to visit Edison's flat, uh, place where he did his thing in Florida there. And he had this, uh, you know, the bench you see in the old locker rooms, you know, just a bench, right? And he would lay on there with weights, those barbells in his hands. And then when they fell on the floor, when he went just, you know, between sleep and he would get up, they would wake him up and he'd get up and it's just let the thoughts go in his mind. Oh. So there's a dynamic to sleep that kind of takes the uh, fetters off. Uh, time and space, and you think things that you know may not necessarily. He comes up with stuff that you know inventions. So yeah. So similarly, uh, things that I might uh, get from the Word of God that I'm confined because I just can't imagine this. This can't be so. I mean, it just doesn't come. Well, in sleep, uh, takes those fetters off. So <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I can imagine what a cherubim looks like. I don't know. Good. But, and on that point, I was told years ago that when you get tired and close to sleep, you're very creative in your mind. So I have historically kept a pad of paper next to my bed. So if I'm thinking about a sermon, thinking about a teaching, thinking about a passage of the Bible, I'll notice that I can get pretty creative thoughts at that point. And if I don't write them down, I, I, they're history. And sometimes in, the lights are off, Janice is sleeping, so I'll just write it in the dark a thought that comes to my mind because I'm, I'm, my mind and body relax and you get very creative. So if you've got a to-do list you're worried about, just keep a pad of paper next to the bed, make a note, and therefore you can get it off your mind. Same to your quiet time. Because things will come to your mind and distract you, things you need to do during your quiet time. Just keep a piece of paper there, write it down. Now, now you can forget about it. It's a practical tip for you. You won't be like Eutychus. So let's pray. Thank you for your dear saints, Lord, these precious men and women. What a privilege to look at your word together. Thank you that you care about everything in our lives, not least something we do for a third of our lives, sleep. Instruct us in this. Use our sleep or lack thereof to show us your glory, to show us our need of Jesus, to show us how rich we are in Jesus Christ. Now equip us by your spirit to welcome those who come in, to worship with our whole hearts, to hear the word of God, and to look to Christ. We pray he will be glorified in all that we do in the next hour. In Christ's name, amen.